At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? This is going to be a super cool podcast. Not like any of the other podcasts weren't super cool, but this one falls in line with the times of indoor air quality. And we're going to speak to Brandon Glancy. He is from April Air. And we're going to go through the main factors of indoor air quality. The main factors like humidity, ventilation, air filtration. We're going to speak on UV lights. Now, April Air does not sell or manufacture UV lights but Brandon is going to take us through a bit of his breakdown on UV lights where and when why and why not and and it's going to be a good uh, little discussion because there's been heated debates out there on social media regarding UV lights and we're going to get their take or April Air's take from Brandon on that and just keep in mind they don't sell or manufacture UV lights when we're discussing that okay we're going to get into some some facts that will blow your mind about what you can find in a mattress, right? If, if the levels of humidity in your home are high, we're going to talk about the contaminants in one cubic foot of air, and you're going to be blown away by the amount of contaminants that can be in one cubic foot of air. This is going to be a really good podcast, guys. I learned a lot. I enjoyed talking to Brandon. Let's get to it. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Hey, Brandon, I'm glad you could join us tonight. Uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because there's a lot of debate out there right now on indoor air quality. So how how you doing tonight? Well, Gary, thank you for having me. Very much appreciated. Uh, I'm doing very well. Yeah, there is just a little bit going on in the world of healthy air these days, isn't there? There there is, yeah. Um so I'm on social media quite a bit and I watch these fights on on indoor air quality and what some techs think you should be doing what some techs think you shouldn't be doing and the debates get heated and they get nasty. So I would like to talk about this from your perspective and cause this is the industry you're in and, and just kind of go through this together and see if we can come to some sort of conclusion at the end of this, where people can listen and, and maybe get some education and some tips and stuff to, to kind of move ahead. Yeah. I, I think that would be a great I- idea. We've, uh, Certainly got an industry that is very informed, but not everybody necessarily is reading the same page from the same book. And that's kind of my job is to help people better understand what the IAQ solutions are out there, how homeowners think about them, and how to think about how they play with the modern day HVAC system. Mm-hmm. So we should probably set you up properly. You, you are with April Air. 
And April Air is a, a pretty big name in the indoor air quality industry. So I just want to give you the floor and kind of go through your background, what you do for April Air. And um, it, it's yours, man. Take it away. Hey, I appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, I had, uh, I have the privilege of being the national sales trainer and assistant training manager for April Air. And I have been for, gosh, now it is the past 12 years. And in, the, in those 12 years, I have had the privilege of working with some of the best contractors, service technicians, and salespeople that this industry has to offer all across the United States and Canada. And I can tell you, I've learned about as much from them as I have ever taught any of them. Uh, but my role within April Air is to really connect all of the elements of our industry to what's going on in the world of IAQ and how can we collectively help our end users, those homeowners, with solutions that are going to both make them healthy, but also, of course, fit the system. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, but if there's one thing that rings true, it's that if we're not doing anything for the health of people's air inside of their home, they're living in a sick home. And there is no doubt that you can't live in a sick home very long before you yourself as the occupant, you become sick as well. And people have been saying it for years. Uh, the EPA is an example, has mentioned how indoor air pollution is one of the top five environmental risks to public health. And this is before the world as we uh, know it today with all of our new stresses as it pertains to the air that we breathe. But when you hear that, it's no wonder so many people suffer from allergies and asthma and other illnesses. Uh, it, it's all happening in that air that you're breathing right now. I want to put everybody's mind in, in, a, in a picture here. Just one cubic foot of air in your home, just one cubic foot. Think of how many cubic feet of air are in your home. One cubic foot can have over 30 million pollutants inside of it. And polluted air is found in 85% of homes. And you can see that that causes almost 94% of all respiratory problems. And really, our industry is better suited than any other industry out there to make sure that people can breathe healthy, free, clean air inside of their home. Uh, but we got to be confident in the solutions and the products that we're talking about so that homeowners can get the right solution for themselves. And that's what I do. I make sure that every contractor, every service technician, uh, every comfort advisor has all the information that they need so that they can answer those tough questions inside of the home. Okay. So I, you, you brought up something that I, I found was kind of nuts, that 30 million pollutants inside one cubic foot of air. Now that's that's crazy. So can you maybe break down a few of the the main culprits in that. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go through all thirty million, <laughs> but <laughs> may, maybe the top five w within that within that uh, thirty million. Yeah, absolutely. So the ones that we're most concerned about are going to be viruses, and and there are obviously thousands of types of viruses, but let's call these just big categories: viruses, bacteria. Uh, things like mold spores, fungus spores, things like that. Uh, you've got all kinds of off-gassing VOCs. Think about all of your home's building materials 
and all of the different glues and varnishes and paints that they have. Even low VOC has some VOC. And then your natural, your larger stuff floating around in the air, such as pollens and pet danders, uh, and the number one trigger to uh, asthma attack and allergy-related illnesses in people, which is dust mites. They're all in the air. And if we don't have something taking care of the air inside of our home, the only thing cleaning the air in our home is our lungs. That's why people are getting sick. Those all make sense. Um, one thing that, so I, I have seasonal allergies and they're approaching. They're approaching, uh, I usually start getting them around mid-May and I have them till about the end of June. And last year they were severely bad. Like they, they were, they were really bad. Um, so, I mean, and I, and I, the thing is I'm out in, in the world changing filters and stuff like that. So when I, when I pull a filter out of a machine, if I'm not wearing like, like a face mask, anything that's caught in that kind of just disperses into the air and I breathe it in. So that's, I think maybe what triggers my allergies in the first place is my, my, my filter changes during my PMs for, for cooling startups. Do you, do you think that might be the case there? Hey, look, depending upon the quality of the filter, you can be capturing some gnarly stuff on there, man. You would definitely want some sort of a, a mask uh, if you suffer from allergies. I know me personally, uh, I fit into that demographic. I suffer from allergies, and I'm one of the unfortunate people that suffer from asthma as well. And if I have too much uh, concentrated material in the air, especially, and I change my own filters inside of my home, uh, if I pull those out and I don't have a mask or some other device on, I can be coughing, wheezing, and all those nasty things that go along with that for hours and even sometimes days. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's concentrated, but we really, we don't get any relief even when we're not changing filters because it's always in our air if we're not doing something about it. Yeah. So let's talk about indoor air quality in the home. Let's, let's talk about, and, and, and the audience, I'm going to let the audience know now as, as a teaser, because this is a very polarizing topic. We're going to talk about UV lights in, in a bit. And you've already uh, offered to do that for us from, from your take, which I find is going to be a good conversation because there's so many debates on UV lights and what to use, what not to use. Do they work? Do they not work? Um, so, but before we get into that, maybe we should go on and talk about what sort of things can we do in our home to create a to create maybe this this indoor air quality that that's acceptable in our home to, to breathe in. So there have been real experts, scientists, people who wear lab coats, medical doctors. They have been all doing these studies for so many, many years. And it all comes back to the to the really the same three items that you can do inside of your home to really help protect yourself. And actually, ASHRAE uh, did a whole study on this, and they stated how the single best indoor air quality solution you can do inside of a home is a three-pronged approach, ventilation, air cleaning, and humidification. And they actually cite how ventilation is the most important of those prongs to get right. But all three grouped together, that's kind of the secret weapon in the battle against sick air. Would, um, would dehumidification fit into that as well? Absolutely. There is, a, there is a growing understanding of just how important 
dehumidification is in the in the health of the air that you breathe and the comfort of the uh, uh, environment that you live in as well. There's so many things that dehumidifiers can do. It's just uh, you know we're we're learning more and more every single day. Yeah, I mean, I have some some buildings that have dehumidification rooftops on them and because it's it's a pharmaceutical warehouse they just they store pharmaceutical items and the the i think it's got to be below if i'm like we're we're just getting back into summer soon and and i'm just trying to remember what their set point is in the summer and i think it's below 50 or below 55 they want in that warehouse and they have dehumidification rooftops on the roof and i'm telling you so this warehouse has a pharma section. And then when you leave the pharma section, it, it's just a regular warehouse that does regular stuff, right? So it's separated in, into two buildings, but it's the same building. There's just a wall in between. When you walk from that, let's say the dead of the summer into, you walk from the, the, the main warehouse into the pharma warehouse, it just instantly becomes super, super comfortable, super comfortable. It's amazing the difference that you feel, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, Human beings really—we're not a great—we're uh, not a great gauge for temperature, are we? I do these when we do our big—we uh, do some traveling seminars that we do for contractors all across North America, where we'll have a bunch of contractors come into a room and we'll, you know, we'll have conversations on healthy air. And one of the things that I like to do because it's fun and everybody you know gets a little chuckle out of it, but it really rings true to everybody, is I'll ask four or five people in the room, "Hey, what's the temperature?" And you'll get three, four, five different answers, of course. And the message there is we can't really judge temperature. We judge, are we comfortable? And so when somebody says it's 72, that's how they feel in that room. They feel like it's 72 degrees. That could be too warm for them or too cold. But what we're actually feeling there is humidity. To your point about the warehouse, if we were to take any room, and put it at uh, 70 degrees Fahrenheit or, uh, you know, a, a, just a typical comfortable temperature, air temperature. Mm-hmm. But we were to raise the humidity in that space to 90%, boy, I don't care how comfortable the temperature is, you're going to feel pretty miserable, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. You, you you really are. I mean, you could do the same thing in reverse. If we drop the humidity in that room to the low teens, which happens every winter in every home and every warehouse and every office building in the world. What happens there is we start to feel way too cold. We start to get that dry, itchy skin, humidity. It's a big deal. So I was messing around with the blue on app the other day on the weekend, I actually just sit on the couch and I pulled it up and I went into the manual section and I pulled up Lennox. Then I pulled up L series. I went to an LGA unit. And the reason I did that is because I've worked on a bunch of those and I wanted to just check out some conversion instructions and just check out the manuals and stuff like that. And such an easy, easy task to do it. It it really, really is. And as I'm reading, I'm getting the, the baseline tests that they want before we do a conversion. And these baseline tests are going to make sure the unit is working or performing the way it should be before you go ahead and do a conversion. Now, as you're doing these baseline tests, you may find problems. Those problems will need to be rectified. And I'm thinking in my head, well, this is a very honest way to create work for yourself 
before a conversion. Now, the if a customer isn't going the route of replacement, right? They want to convert the gas. They obviously want that machine running up to as close to 100%, um, as close to 100% as it can, really. So any problem you find along the way needs to be captured. It needs to be reported to the customer so we can alleviate or fix that problem before we go ahead and do the conversion. That is going to create more work for you. Legitimate, honest work where you don't need to be like a sales tech, right? It's just, just being a service tech, finding the problem and fixing it. So guys, check out that Blue On app. Very, very cool app. Get accredited. And then once you become accredited, you have access to their two-minute wait time tech support for everything AC, which is pretty cool. I just got word. I got an email from Mike Pastorello from Refrigeration Technologies. Now they are now developing and manu- they've developed and manufactured their own hand sanitizer, which is pretty cool. So if you guys are looking for hand sanitizer uh, for your buildings, your customers, wherever, Refrigeration Technologies now has it right i'm gonna get a sample i'm gonna check it out and i mean the, the the world is crazy right now washing hands keeping your hands clean is something that everybody is kind of promoting and i was just in a building right now you cannot walk past the front lobby until your temperature is taken and until you wash your hands they have a hand washing station a portable one um, a lot of places don't have that have the luxury of bringing that in so you got to use some hand sanitizer before you you uh you move on so refrigeration technologies now has it uh i've been talking about company cam on a couple of podcasts company cam is basically an app which is very easy to use it collects all your your information from a project puts it in one place it allows the entire team to get a hold of that project whenever during the project after the project is done the customers can can access it if you give them that ability so they can check up on what's happening, right? Um, pretty good organizational tool. And it's free right now for 14 days. I'm going to drop a link in the podcast notes for you guys to go check that out. Now, off the top, you hear my Cool Air products at. Now, I have taken heat in the past for starting to promote uh, an internal sealant. The reason being is because technicians over time have become to hate sealants. And I was one of those, okay? Um, but here's what you got to understand. I was, I told, I told Cooler Products no when they first came to me to try the sealant. I said, no, I don't believe in them. But then I, I, I said, you know what? That's not right for me to have a closed mind like that. So I took it, I tested it. And it's been two and a half years of testing now. And seven or eight units now that I put it in that spans across data center, residential, um, walk-in box all of the units are still running all of the units have leaks that have been contained i even if you guys hear me talk i've even confirmed it with one of the top end leak detectors on the market today that is the detect stratus what measures in ppm of leak rate i see I, I seen a drop a huge drop went from 25 ppm down to like one or two within a few days and i i had to give that leak detector back to true tech tools but I guarantee if I went back now, this is like a few months later, we'd probably see zero there just because it had dropped so quickly over a few days. So it's oil-based. It doesn't clog. It doesn't clog the system. doesn't clog your tools. I've proved that to myself and I've proved that to a bunch of you guys, a bunch of techs have went out there, purchased it, bought it and got 
a, lar a longer runway towards replacement or, or kept the customer going that couldn't afford a, a brand new coil or something like that. That's what this stuff is great for. Okay, it gives you the opportunity to give an option to your customer that's a viable option is not going to damage anything. Anyway, guys, let's get back to the interview. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Harago, a trades-only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate. Harago.com, best in trade. No, yeah, it is. And I mean, it gets super humid here in, in the in the summer because we have the great lakes around us. So there, there is a lot of humidity here. And it's like, I remember days where it was so humid. You go for, I remember growing up in, uh, when I was a, a young teenager and we didn't have air conditioning in the house. So I could go in from like soccer practice or whatever. And my friends would be waiting for me going, yeah, let's, let's go out and do something after. And I would go home, I'd have a shower and literally, after I put my clothes back on, after drying myself off, I'd be soaking wet again because we never had any sort of um, AC in the home that would, you know what I mean, that would that would remove some of that moisture. So I know firsthand growing up that humidity is is a bummer when it comes to <laughs> being, being comfortable in, in a home. Um, so like if ve ventilation, that's, that, that's a good one too, because there's different types of ventilation. Like I have an HRV in my home, which I'm it, it's code now uh, in homes in Ontario to have HRVs because they're built so tight. So every new home has to have an HRV in it. So those are, those are good ways to ventilate a home, right? Yeah. So an HRV is a perfectly acceptable way of ventilating a home. Uh, I'm totally on board with those really, as long as you're staying away from negative uh, pressurization of the house. Those would be like exhaust type ventilators, bath yeah. fans, and things like that, which, you know, unfortunately, boy, I wish these things were <laughs> coated away everywhere because they are actually a significant contributor to the poor air quality inside of every, every living space that there is. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as long as you have some sort of a balanced air exchange or a positive pressurization of the space. In other words, as long as we're not leaving the building up to decide where the air is coming from, yeah. we have got a very good solution. And, and HRVs, they do as good a job as just about anything out there. What other products besides an HRV will give you some ventilation if you, if you, if you don't have an HRV in your home? If you don't have an HRV in your home, the the best product that we would recommend is a supply side positive pressure ventilation system. Uh, we certainly make one, and I know there are other companies that do as well. Uh, the benefit of these are they're especially if you have a home with nothing, they're a fairly inexpensive retrofit into a home. They're incredibly easy to install in a system. And if you get good ones, they're easy to balance out, takes you a couple of minutes in order to make sure that you set a home up properly. And you can do it for an incredibly low cost compared to retrofitting in an HRV or an ERV uh, where there's just simply more to do with one of those, right? With an ERV or an HRV, 
you've got duct work, you've got labor, you've got balancing, uh, you, you might have some maintenance involved in some of those uh, versus these newer positive pressure side ventilation systems can do an excellent job of exchanging the air in a home at an appropriate rate, helping with both humidity and total air quality uh, as it pertains to the health of the air inside of the home as well. But absolutely crucial. You, you definitely need something inside of the home. It just should not be exhaust type ventilation. So how, wh- where, where would you install that? In the house and then you'd be pulling air from the outside and pressurizing the, the home that way? Like how, how exactly does it work? Yeah, in an ideal world, uh, which I think we can make this work almost anywhere, you would install it inside of the home and you would pull air from a point that you designated appropriate from outside of the home. Okay. Uh, it would it would pull in. Uh, in the case of our in particular one, it's, it's a six-inch round. So you pull in from outside air and then that air flows into, ideally, the return ductwork. And there's a reason why the return specifically. Uh, number one, We love the idea of taking outside air and putting it through a filtration system before we put it inside of the home, even though all the experts say the air outside of your home is significantly more healthy than the air inside of your home, and I believe that to be true. But it's still good practice to put it through an air filter, and by putting it into a return, we can move that outside air through an air filter so we're treating the already better air before we mix it in with the rest of the air inside of the home. And then as it pertains to uh, our in particular uh, product, the reason that we enjoy or that we like to put it on the return side is because we have some slick, you know, patented features on our system that allows it to do things like temperature lockouts and relative humidity lockouts. So if you've got a really humid day and it doesn't make sense for the ventilation system to bring that humid air in based upon the humidity in the home, it can actually it's intelligent. It'll lock itself out and wait till the humidity level is more appropriate to ventilate the air inside of the home while still achieving the main goal of getting your air mixtures in. So mm-hmm. that's that's why you'd want to bring it in. You can install them wherever the HVAC equipment is. They're designed to be compact and they're designed not to take up a whole lot of room. Uh, the ones that we make as an example are, are 16 inches wide, so they can usually fit between floor or ceiling joists. And You've only got that six-inch inlet and outlet, so usually you can find space in order to put that pretty much anywhere where the HVAC equipment is. Cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because you said, but you answered my question. You bring it in, so the 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 filter that's in the system is going to filter out the air. Because I was going to ask you if the system, like the the positive the positive um, side air pressurization um, assembly, has its own filter in it, but You've, you've cleared that up. But if you wanted to, is it ideal to put an, another filter in there or is it okay just using the, the filter system in the, in the air handler? So it's going to depend upon the piece of equipment that you're using. Uh, and, and some places will have codes that will dictate that you can't. Uh, okay. so, so there are, as an example, we make a variety of versions of these, uh, some with filtration systems, some without filtration systems. But ultimately... As long as you've got a really good air filter on the system, the HVAC system itself, that is going to be better at what it does than simply anything else out there. Gotcha. Okay, so that that's a good segue into the the, the filtration that we should be using in the system. And I want to clear one thing up with you, or or you can clear it up for us. So I've had this debate with with people before, and they're like, um, 
regarding a one inch filter and, and how a one inch filter, um, is fine. It doesn't cause any issues. And, but I mean, you talk to anybody in the industry that, that knows a lot about airflow and, and filtration and stuff, a one inch filter is kind of like death for your system. Is it not? <laughs> yeah, boy, they, they don't start out very well on static pressure to begin with. Yeah. And, and they certainly load up and become really dangerous really quick, don't they? And I think the biggest problem that we found with uh, air filters, and there was actually, there was a, an industry study done on this, and, and they determined that most people aren't changing their filter out when they're supposed to as it pertains to one-inch filters. Uh, some people waited as long, and it was it was double digits in the percentage. Some people waited as long as over two years to change a filter. I don't know how their system is even breathing at that point. I, be- I believe it because I've seen pictures online of filters that people have pulled out of systems. And I'll tell you that it looks like they're day one filters in systems that, that have been sitting there for years. Oh, you gotta, you know, you look at them and you're like, you need a hazmat suit just to remove one or you wouldn't feel safe, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I and- seen a, just, just on that topic before we move on, which was comical, I seen a, a video and I actually reposted this video of uh, a technician that I follow on Instagram going up to a, uh, <laughs> a system that was kind of making this kind of squealing kind of noise. And he pulls the, the one-inch filter out, and it still has the plastic wrapped around it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, there's no end. I, I mean, when I go around and I speak to service technicians, I get some of the stories that they have about what they find in those systems. I just blows my mind. That's hilarious. So what, what should be, so the one inch filter, like I'm going to admit, I have a one inch filter in my system just because I've been so lazy to, to make modifications to the ductwork, but it's kind of not my fault because I did, I did actually order a four inch filter and I did order some ductwork, but they made it wrong. And I was very, very upset because when I went to go pick it up, I had a, a free weekend to, to ch- make these changes. Right. And I suck at duck work and I'll admit that cause I'm not a duck, uh, a sheet metal guy. Um, so I was going to take the weekend and, and take my time and, and modify my system to throw a four inch filter in there, but they made the fittings wrong. And I was very upset because I knew that from then on air, from then on in, I wouldn't have enough time to deal with it. So I've still got this one inch filter in my system, but tell us what we should have. In our system. I'm going to give you a shameless plug at the end here because boy, do we got something that would be right up your alley, but let's, let's, let's get to that later. Yes. What should we have in our systems? So this is one of the key points that I need to help make sure everybody understands. And that is that static pressure. Cause really people fear high static on a system, which is why it's one of the two main reasons why you don't see fil- four-inch filters on every system. The other one is cost, right? We put in one-inch filters because they're inexpensive, and I get that. But ideally, you'd want a four-inch filter on your system. And the way that filters are designed today, they are just simply incredible on efficiency as opposed to filters even five, ten years ago. I, we just came out with as an example. We came out with a MRF 16 filter. And when, when service technicians and installers and, and system designers hear MRF 16, boy, they can, <laughs> that can sometimes be a dirty word, uh, no pun intended there. But uh, the, the, the reason is, is because immediately we think high MRF rating, high static pressure. Well, not always the case anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, we just came out with a filter that's a MRF 16 
that uh, in one of our air cleaners installed has a, a static pressure that is less than most of the one or two inch MERV 8 filters that you see uh, in people's systems today. Crazy, I know, but it's reality. And it's not even that it is magic or that it is some wacky science or even pretzel logic that takes people to get these numbers. The truth of the matter is, in order to get air through a system, you got to have enough places for air to pass through. And you can do that with four-inch filters if you design them really well. So your typical one-inch filter has about 3.4, you know, maybe maybe four total, depending upon how big their pleats are, uh, square feet of media in them. And that's just not a lot. Yeah. That's not a lot of surface area, which is why they recommend you change them out every, you know, month to two months. Otherwise, your system gets really underperforming. Well, newer filters, uh, such as the ones that we make, they have 27 square feet of media. So right there, you can put a lot more air pathways through 27 square feet than you can through 3.4 square feet. Mm -hmm. Add on top of that, that really a a one-inch filter and a lot of other uh, filters for that matter, four-inch cake box filters are very commonly this, they're just surface loading material. Right, so think of it kind of like you've got a, a a bucket with a lot of holes in it, and the job of the bucket is to capture all of the the stuff, and ultimately it's going to hold water. Well, that's bad airflow resistance, and that's what happens to those filters. Those holes get plugged up, static pressure goes really high, efficiencies on the system go down. And we know what happens next. Well, newer filters are designed not just so that they have a lot more square footage of media. But they're also designed, in in the case of ours, to be what we call depth-loading media as well. So there's not just a surface level of capturability. There's actually three dimensions of fibers that pull those particulates into them, allowing you to have greater airflow for a significantly longer period of time, allowing you to have much less static pressure on the system, but still have a massive capturability rate of MERV 16s and 13s without really any concerns. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you'd want to get one of those on the system. And really today, we have the technology. We could do it on every single home. Absolutely no problem. That's that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, my understanding always was that be, between the one-inch filter and the four-inch filter is that if you were to cut that media out of there and stretch it out, um, the four inch filter is going to have a ton more media and a lot more surface area. And that's why it, it doesn't create as, as much static in the system. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the secret sauce right there. We even have yeah. a picture on our website of somebody holding off the top of our building's roof, a, uh, a three inch or a one inch filter rather completely extended. And one of our media is completely extended, which all, you know, comes all the way down and basically touches the ground from the ceiling of the building. So, oh wow! I, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. You know, it's funny that you say that. And there might be some people that did this, but uh, we used to, when we were uh, doing air cleaners in the 90s, that's how we would help people uh, with homeowners. We would actually, there were service technicians and installers who, when they were talking to homeowners about media, would actually take them out to their driveway and have the homeowner hold one in and they'd unravel it all the way down the length of the driveway so that the homeowner could see just how much media was there protecting their system and keeping their air clean. So funny that you mentioned that. 
So that's kind of uh, in a nutshell. We've talked about ventilation. We've talked about um, fresh air. and We've talked about humidity. Um, I, we could talk about these subjects forever, but I, I did want to move on because I want to let you, after we talk about UV, I want to let you uh, tell the, the crowd about some of your products that can, that can help out, um, not just in these times, but with general uh, IAQ going forward in the future. So on to UV lights, polarizing subject and so polarizing and so debatable that people are getting into heated arguments online. And I just kind of sit back and watched a lot of these unfold because I don't know enough about the subject to really get involved and say, yeah, this and that. Um, I've told you, um, we're not going to talk about the, the specific product I have in my home, but I've told you what I have in my home. It's not just a UV light. It's a little bit more according to the theory behind it, but we're going to keep, keep to UV lights. Um, do you want to talk about UV lights and just give us a, a rundown on what they are, what they can do, what they can't do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, UV lights at their simplest and the, the most simple breakdown of them, they are in a system des- and their design, their whole goal is to make sure that organic material becomes inactive if it's harmful. That, that, is, that is number one priority of a UV light. And I'm here to tell you, I love them. I think UV lights are absolutely fantastic when they're applied the correct way. There's a lot of information. I'm sure this is those heated back and forth that you're talking about. We see them too. Uh, and, and really, a lot of study has gone into, are UV lights effective? And what are they effective at doing? And really, again, I, I stated before, I stated again, I'm not a scientist. I don't put on a lab coat. Uh, I listen to the experts and I follow their recommendations. And what the experts have fairly universally agreed upon is that UV lights, when placed in certain locations on the HVAC equipment, such as above the coil, where you can have a collection of water and you can see bacterial growth and mold growth, et cetera, they do just a phenomenal job there. They they do a great job of executing their strategy, which is to make all of those things go away beautifully. Same thing when you're talking about things like drain pans. They work great above the drain pans for doing exactly that same thing. It's an incredibly effective device. But that is kind of where its sweet spot is. Uh, the CDC it's, uh, did a, a study on UV lights. And they actually found the UV lights were incredibly effective. But they were recommended to be used as an adjunct measure to actual air filtration. So you want to use them both. You don't want to use one in place of the other in the same way that I wouldn't recommend just simply an air filter on any system because there are ways of things getting into the air, right? And UV lights above coils and in drain pans, boy, what a great combination. And anything you can do to make the health of the air better, that's a win. Now, as it pertains to UV lights on top of things like air filters, uh, boy, there's a lot of, of people who will argue back and forth, are they effective? Are they not effective? Uh, does particulate move past them too fast in order for it to be effective with an air filter anyway? Look, I'm, I'm not going to touch that. What I am going to say is this. 
the whole idea of an air filter is to capture particulate and hold it until it's no longer a threat. And when we're talking things like pet danders and, and pollens and things like that, they're, they're going to be captured. We don't have to worry about them. And a UV light really isn't going to do a whole lot there anyway. As we pertain to viruses, bacteria, well, the whole point of a, a virus is an example, big thing in the, the news today globally. A virus is a protein, okay? And these proteins, they need things like healthy, live human cells in order to exist. And, and to propagate. And the studies have shown that they will become inactive and not be a threat anymore. Some experts will say that takes two days. Other experts will say that takes a week or two. Well, in the realm of media air filters, it almost is a moot point because those filters get changed out at, at best every six months if you're using a good one, uh, some of them even a year. So you're already going to capture and hold them until they're no longer a threat anyway. So is putting a UV light on an air filter a bridge too far? You're definitely, the UV light is 100% doing exactly what it says it's going to do. It will kill anything that's sitting on that filter that's organic. It's what it's meant to do. Uh, might even eat the filter away at the same time. We can argue whether or not that's good or bad anyways, but... But it, it will do that. But if it's already captured and it's no longer a threat, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Versus a UV light above a coil, where coils are always going to get wet. There will always be some form of organic material floating around in the air. The best air cleaners on the planet capture at best 96% of uh, virus-sized particulate. I mean, there's things that could pass an air cleaner. And boy, having that UV light sitting on top of that uh, coil taking care of what could grow on there, that makes me feel really good because that's something the air cleaner isn't helping with. So mm -hmm. I think I think UV lights, I'm 100% for them. I think they absolutely have a place in the industry. And I think when you pair them up with good air filtration, boy, it's a one-two punch. That's a great combo. So yeah, I, I was thinking about that as you're talking. If, if something were to get past the air filter um, and, and, and you have a coil that's slightly dirty, uh, which I've seen a lot of dirty coils, it can actually become a, a filter as well and start catching things, right? Oh, so no if, doubt. If, if, yeah, so so what you're saying is a, if, if that coil starts to catch things and it becomes wet, now you've, you've got this uh, sort of place where bacteria can now grow. Right. And I'm going to um, tell you right now, this is this is a factor that we all need to consider. And, and uh, let me just take 30 seconds here and I'll explain why. Um, when we designed our air filters, one of the things that we, we, we stressed was bypass air. The industry average, and this is kind of scary when you think about it, on average, air filters, four-inch media air filters in our industry allow 17% of the system's airflow to blow right by them, around the sides, over the tops, wherever that you know air takes a path of least resistance. 17%. So if we're talking a you know three, four-ton system, we're talking a few hundred CFM of air never goes through the filter. Well, the next stop is that coil. So we're, you know, we're we're talking about a real need for UV light because that's a large volume of air. 
not the truth with our air filters. Our air filters actually seal themselves completely to the cabinet. We only allow, uh, on average, about two CFM of air to bypass us. But if you're not using high quality air filtration like that, you are 100% guaranteed, and you've all seen it, you said it yourself, that you're going to have a dirty coil. I mean, when we put these P-traps on our on our condensate lines, they're clean going in, and they're dirty a couple months later. I mean, where's that coming from? That's mm-hmm. dirty water dripping off the coil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that dirty water could have you know who who knows what in it. So what what you're saying make, makes makes a ton of sense. So I do want to ask you what sort of UV light because um, there's a lot of UV light. There, a couple things actually. What sort of UV light? Because there's different classes. Uh, for for one, would we use in, in a home? And the other thing I was going to mention was, uh, I lost my train of thought. Okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go no to the, no the, the type of because there's UVC and all that and, and all that. So, what sort of UV light would you use in your home? And, and I'll try to remember what I was going to say afterwards. So, you know, it, it it's a topic that I and and you might you might want to kick me for this one. I generally don't make recommendations uh, that are outside of our own product categories. Uh, I, I will tell you that most of your good UV lights, um, they do a good job. Uh, I think the CDC when they were looking at theirs were looking at specifically UVGI. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen nothing wrong with multiple different types of UV lights. Uh, it, it really is just kind of personal preference. And I, I just, I don't want to go down that road a whole lot sure. just because I don't want to upset anybody. And quite frankly, we don't do a whole lot of testing on them. So all the information that I get about them, like I said, are from experts anyway. So everybody's and got you, their you- own little opinion. April Air doesn't actually sell UV lights, right? No, we do not. We do not manufacture UV lights. We 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 think they're a fantastic thing. We're a huge proponent of them uh, because we know they work when they're applied correctly. But we don't manufacture them. Perfect, awesome. So l- let's get to some some stuff you do actually produce and sell that can actually help inside of a home. Like what what so, what are some of your go to products? So right now, especially uh, the we have helped our industry with a new uh, three-part system that we're putting it together. It's called the April Air Healthy Air System or the HAS system. <laughs> Excuse and, me. I oh. sneeze as we're talking about oh, <laughs> you're, indoor you're air quality. <laughs> we need to get this in your home. No, yeah. you just pulled out a filter. I can tell. No. Um, so healthy air system. And, and here's the reality. The air in people's homes, we said it earlier, it, it's horribly sick. And really, it's not a one-product solution in anybody's home. It's a three-part solution. That's right from the words of Ashray. We want to have good ventilation inside of the home. That's most important. Uh, we we had April Air. We walking around, and and some person mutters off one day. The solution for pollution is dilution. Boy, are we running with that tagline? Um, good good ventilation inside of the home. Most homes, and and you're fortunate in your area, you know where HRVs are code. You're tackling this better, but most homes that are relying on things like range hoods and bath fans for their ventilation are making their homeowners incredibly sick, and and it's because again, air is going to take the path of the least resistance, and if we're not properly ventilating a home, a lot of that air comes from 
the ground moves right through the basements and crawl spaces and slab foundations, uh, gets pulled in from the garage, the house will equalize and it's going to pull that air in and it's completely uncontrolled. So ventilation is a tremendous product. Uh, while we don't have an HRV, uh, we, we have uh, a whole suite of positive uh, pressure ventilation systems, as well as an a ERV that uh, can be put in for ventilation, uh, whether it be retrofit, new construction, or what have you. But make sure that the air is properly ventilated in the home. The second component of the healthy air system is at Media Air Cleaner. We live in a world today where air cleaners in our industry are now good enough to capture 96% of virus-sized particulate. And that, that's, that's incredible. Think about what everybody's been asked to do. Everybody has been asked for, you know, to wear a mask when you step outside of your own home right now, where the air is more clean than it is in your home. And we understand why. Really, if you put a good air filter and a good ventilation system inside of a home, you're putting a mask on the home because you're creating a, a system where your air is purified, meaning it's far less full of all the harmful VOCs and other pollutants floating around in it because you're constantly refreshing it with good air. And then you're moving all that air through a system uh, through that MERV 16 air cleaner. And you know, the average HVAC blower, if it's running all day, will move that air through a system 144 times a day. I and mean, that feels, that's pretty good. That's a lot of protection. We have products on the air cleaning side and this when you mentioned your your order and it didn't come in right and you know your the ductwork challenges that we we see every single day it's not exclusive to your home it's all of our homes um, we've come out with new air cleaning systems uh, they're called the 1610 and the 1620 air cleaner and you can see those at our contractor website it's aprilairpartners.com where these are designed to be easy to install whether it be a new system or even retrofit. Uh, you learned how to put one of these in back when you were a kid, when you learned how to put the round peg in the round hole and the square peg in the square hole, because that's almost exactly how these work. There is a, they're almost a right angle type air cleaner. They've been specifically engineered to have very little air resistance as the air passes through them. Unlike some right angle air cleaners that can present their own problems, these are designed away from that. And what they have are a series of tabs on the top. So those tabs allow you to change where the opening is at the top of the air cleaner and the size of the opening on the top of the air cleaner so that you can match it up to just about any return that you encounter, whether it be a, a upflow application, downflow application, obviously, or a horizontal installation. And then on the other side where it hooks up to the equipment, the cabinet opening also has tabs so that the cabinet itself has a couple of tabs. You can bend them down and literally hook it onto the HVAC equipment. From there, it's a couple of minor adjustments and you have just installed a real whole home air purification system where otherwise there might have only been a one inch filter uh, before protecting both the equipment and the HVAC homeowners as well. Uh, these things can go with the with the invention of uh, these new medias. You can even put these uh, up into uh, um, five-ton systems with, without any worry. Uh, on top of that, which is great product, 
we also have a what we call it the uh, we call it the big old air cleaner. It's the model 1510 air cleaner, and this was actually designed in conjunction with an HVAC contractor who they had a problem. They worked very uh, exclusively on five ton equipment, so larger systems, right? Very common, like commercial, uh, as well as uh, larger residential office uh, systems, things like that. And there wasn't a good air cleaning solution for any of these because of the static pressure problems that would, people would run into. You'd have to either cut multiple air cleaners in. Well, we brought forward this new air cleaning air cleaner with that company. It was called the Model 1510. It's a 21 and, uh, or 28 by 31 and a half air cleaner. And it's designed for 510 systems to have incredibly low static pressure. Even on a 2000 CFM system, you can put MERV 11 filtration on this and have just a tenth of an inch of static. So I, I, I can't stress enough, if you can figure out a way to get an air cleaner on a system these days, which, you know, it's what we do. We can make them work. You can have a dramatic improvement to the way that people's systems work and the health of the air inside of their home. Uh, and we have just recently designed a new series of media to fit all of these cabinets. Four different types of media for four different types of people. Uh, we have a standard clean air media, which comes in, it's a MERV 11 filter. It's great for keeping the system clean, has a 10-year clean coil guarantee. You're not going to see a speck of dust on that uh, blower of that coil. By gosh, it's going to be our problem. We're going to pay uh, towards having coil cleaning done for you. Next level is our MERV 13. We call that the healthy home. MERV 13 captures things like pollens, dust, dander, uh, you know, pet hair, all that stuff. It even captures a pretty good chunk of bacteria. Uh, great for having a healthy home. But then can comes I, can this. I, can, I, can I ask yeah. you one before you get yeah, to the next yeah, one? Yeah, go, go. Can I ask you one question? So a lot of you go, you go to the supplier and you, you grab a box of filters. You just tell them, yeah, I, I want a box of 24 by 24 by two or whatever, because I'm in commercial. That's a yep. standard size for some units. Um, and, and they just, they hand you a box of MERV-8. So MERV-8 generally is just going to help keep the coil clean. It's not actually going to keep the people um, healthy within the building, right? Yeah, it's really not doing anything for the health of the people inside of the building yeah, whatsoever. I, I, yeah, that's that's what I figured. And there's some there, there's some buildings where we put MERV-11 in. Um, it's, like, it's like a thicker media. They got more pleats in them. But you're saying you got to move up to like a, a MERV-13 to really um, not only protect the system from getting dirty, but keep the the health of the people intact by capturing the the viruses the germs or whatever whatever you want to call them yeah it, it's really it's all about the numbers uh that's that's where uh ashray themselves they are the testers of the media they are the creators of the merv system and if you're sitting on a merv 8 filter a merv 8 filter doesn't even capture enough of uh what they call bucket two, which is your one micron to three micron size particulate. I mean, these are things like pollen, right? Let, forget bacteria, right? Forget viruses at all. Uh, forget dust mites. These are just like pollen sized bacteria, really big. And they don't even capture enough of those to register when you're only dealing with a Mervade filter. So they're doing absolutely nothing for health. Uh, it's not until you get up to Merv 13 where the experts will tell you that you're actually impacting the health of the homeowner directly. Merv 11 does a little bit. 
Merv 11 is way better than, at least Merv 11 will capture roughly 65% of the particulate that's at one to three micron size, but Merv 13 captures nearly 90%. And that's why experts will tell you that that's really where you get the health of the air under control. Awesome. Okay. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just no, wanted to, not at all. I just, I just wanted to clear, clear that up for anybody out there that's that's changing filters and, and buying Merv 8s so they know exactly what the Merv 8 is doing. It's just kind of keeping that evaporator kind of half-assed clean. It's not really keeping the, the bacteria and the viruses and all that nasty stuff out. Yeah, and, and you got to ask yourself that question, right? What really is the Merv 8 doing? If, we, if we're looking at our condensate lines and they're getting dirty, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you kind of see where I'm going with that. Yeah, That's yep. where... When you get to Merv 11, and and they make we make, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we make a Merv 11 now that's a uh, a 28 by 31 and a half. So we work in an industry, right, where we bend metal. We know how to do it, and there is a little extra work involved. There always will be, but we can put these larger air cleaners on now that do have a positive impact on the system without having a huge static pressure. And sometimes, as a matter of fact, you can even see a reduction in the static pressure on the system just because of the quality of the air filter. Um, so we got to think a little bit. We got to use our hands the way that we we, we do so well to make these uh, systems work so good. Um, back to where we were with the air filters. Uh, did that answer your question, by the way? Yes, it did. Yeah, yep. awesome. Um, really, we, we, we just came out with uh, last year two new styles of air cleaner media. These are targeted directly for people with real problems. Uh, the first one is a, is a carbon MERV 13 filter. So not only does this filter take care of uh, capturing a large portion of viruses and bacteria within the home, but uh, it also has that, that carbon odor removal, which so many people are looking for nowadays. And we've managed to package that in a filter without dramatically increasing the static pressure to the system, which is, you know, a few years ago, that wasn't even something that people could think about, but we were able to put that together. And, and then how, the long does, how long yeah, does that car- carbon stay active in order to filter out the, order, the odors? That's, that's a perfect question. Six months. Okay. Six months is the is the uh, what we say the active life is of that carbon. Now we at April Air we love to uh, under promise and way over deliver, but we're going to tell you six months every single time. So take that for what it's worth. You're still going to have a perfectly good Merv 13 filter sitting in there. It's just your your odor reduction uh, is going away after six months. Gotcha. And then the one that we're most proud of is that new Merv 16 media that we came out with because. It, it seems like it's just getting more and more you hear about people that are suffering from bad allergies, that are suffering from asthma, that have all of these problems with the air inside of their home. And we actually created this allergy and asthma media is what we call it, we, it, it because it removes 99% of asthma triggers from the air. And that's just an incredible uh, piece of air cleaning technology that fits in the same cabinets, you know, that our industry has been putting in for decades, but now with an efficiency that you can trust will allow a system to run very well for six months. And our six months uh, change out on that is is a gigantic number compared to other similar type medias in the industry. Well, you certainly make me want to um, spend the weekend 
putting in a different filter system <laughs> in my furnace. Well, that, that's kind of the goal, man. I mean, number, look, the facts facts are stubborn things. Numbers don't yeah. lie. We just got to make sure that we understand them, and and that's kind of the goal. Uh, those are those are the two big things as it pertains to how we take care of the air that we're bringing into the home. Now, you brought up, and and really, we're getting into that time of the year, the the humidification and dehumid humidity control in general. Uh, first of all, dehumidifiers, overwhelmingly the fastest growing category that we have at April Air. Uh, they're fast growing, we believe, for two very good reasons. Number one, HVAC contractors are talking about them. So they're, they're getting more understanding to, to, uh, on the commercial level as well as on the um, residential level. And to that end, we actually even opened up a commercial line of dehumidifiers just because the need has become so great for dehumidification on large scales, such as the office buildings that you were talking about earlier. We make them all the way up into over 700 pint units now, which is gigantic. Um, but dehumidifiers, fastest growing line that we have, and it's become so important to the people inside of their spaces. And, and here's exactly why. We have been energy crazy in a good way for years now. We want to conserve as much energy as possible. It's it's fantastic. I'm glad we're doing it. But the way that we've done it for buildings, right, is we've sealed them up super tight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and by sealing them up, that's great. We're not losing heating and cooling load. We're also not losing anything else, such as yeah. moisture building up in a space. So you have seen a dramatic increase in the uh, mold remediation businesses, in the water treatment businesses, and you can tie it together with these energy lines. You can almost watch the curves rise together. And with that has come the need for excellent dehumidification. Uh, you mentioned earlier that in the pharmaceutical world, they had a percentage that you wanted to keep their, uh, you know, their product at for uh, keeping them safe. Mm -hmm. And that was somewhere in that 53 to 55% range. Well, that ties perfectly in because at 60% relative humidity, according to the experts, bacteria, mold, fungus, that's the growth piece for them, right? Specifically mold. Mold will grow at 60%, period. If you have a space at 60%, it, it's there. I mean, it's just nature. That's how it works. So if you keep it below 60%, you get away from mold. But if you keep going down that line, if you get to 53%, you've taken away things like mites. And that is critically important, especially when we're dealing with things like allergies and asthma and everything else, right? Because the dust mites, the number one cause of allergic reactions in humans on the planet. You, me, we're all allergic to them. And there is, in a, in a 10 by 10, square foot of carpeting, right? So picture how much carpet, you know, is in your home. I'm, I'm ten, scared now. I'm scared. Yeah, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to make you any better. In a 10 by 10 square foot of carpeting, there are about two to three million dust mites. Damn. If your relative humidity is above 53%. I don't know about you. That scares the heck out of me. So here, here's a good one for you. Before I was in this world, before I was in the HVAC world, um, I worked with another company, uh, where one of our clients that or that we did business with was Sealy, Sealy Mattress Corporation. 
A lot of people out there probably have Sealy mattresses in their home. Well, Sealy did a study about dust mites. And this, boy, I hope you've eaten because this is <laughs> this ain't great. According to Sealy, 30% of the weight of a mattress that's nine years old is dust mites and dust mite parts. Oh you know my how God. Fast I bought a new bed when I heard that. <laughs> that is that's... that's terrifying. Everybody listening right now is calculating how old their bed is, right? I I just started doing that calculations on all my beds in my house right now. Me me and my wife have a newer bed. Um my son, we gave we gave our old bed to him. So that's like that's like actually that's eight, nine years old now. So you're you're telling me thirty percent of that weight is dust mites? If your house is over fifty three percent, uh and the reason that oh, I keep okay, saying yeah, yeah. That, my, yeah. My my house is my house is not over fifty three percent. My house is all it's always yeah. it's always down in the in the thirties or low forties. See, your son's just fine, but if if at fifty three percent, see, dust mites—they're living organisms just like you and me, and they need water to survive just like we do. But they don't drink water; they absorb it. Yeah. And if yeah. the uh, relative humidity in the air is below fifty three percent, they can't absorb enough. They literally die of thirst, and that is the key to tackling the largest allergy and asthma trigger. In the world, the dust mite is a dehumidifier on top of mold, mildew, fungus, and then you said it, comfort. Look at how much better you feel in the warehouse that's got the dehumidifier side taken care of versus the other side. They're like two different worlds. That That is very interesting about the dust mites because I grew up, like I was saying, in a, in a house for years with with no AC. And I'm just thinking now, man, <laughs> and, and we had carpet in that house. And who knows how old the mattresses were at that point. Like I was, I was probably, when we moved out of there, I was in my late teens. So, man, I, I and I probably had the same mattress since I was about five or six years old. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's that, that's crazy. I didn't know that about dust mites. So um that that is very good to know so how do we deal if if we don't have a have a rooftop that dehumidifies because obviously that's a commercial application how are we going to dehumidify a home so we have an entire line and it's very important that we make this distinguishment right here we have an entire line of whole home dehumidifiers these are radically different than what people buy at a you know big box store when people see these dehumidifiers, these portable dehumidifiers out there, uh, two things that they're not being told. Number one, almost all of them are on recall right now because they're faulty. You can actually go to, and it, it's it's pretty scary, um, greedehumidifierrecall.com. And you can see that over the course of a 12-year period, millions upon millions of dehumidifiers that were portable dehumidifiers were put under recall because they were literally catching on fire. That's not good. It'll dry your house out, but it will take the house with it. That's not what you want. Uh, number two, and, and this is where HVAC guys, it clicks for us so quickly. The key to removing water from the air is airflow over a cold coil. That's what those big systems are doing on the rooftops. That's what we need mm -hmm. to do in somebody's house, right? Mm -hmm. These little portable dehumidifiers that say they're 90 pints a day or whatever, maybe under the world's most perfect conditions, if they were able to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop, they could get there. But that's not what's the reality. The reality is they have really tiny fans and they're putting a very small amount of air over a big coil. And it causes that coil to ice up and they go into these defrost modes almost constantly. 
The average portable dehumidifier kicks on during its year roughly 46,000 times. The compressor kicks on and off. Tremendous energy waster. Uh Real whole home dehumidifiers like the one that we make, these are energy savers compared to portables. As a matter of fact, on average, you'll save 178 uh, uh, US dollars a year by changing a portable out for one of our whole home dehumidifiers. And beyond that, we're actually doing the job we say we will do. In order to move the same amount of air, a portable dehumidifier versus one of our April air, we'll we'll say the 1850, which is 95 pint dehumidifier, a true 95 pint dehumidifier. You need to do on average 12 portables to get the same job done. So that's how good true whole home dehumidification has become. And tie on top of that, they're easier than ever. So the secret to dehumidification, everybody in our industry, hopefully, I shouldn't say everybody, but hopefully, I believe everybody, has heard of the stack effect. And we understand how that works. Well, the way a dehumidifier works is you should try to put it in the lowest level that you can. And all they do nowadays, you plug them in, you turn them on, you run a drain. I mean, if it took you 15 minutes, you're having a bad day. But because of the way the stack effect works, if we put one in a basement or a crawl space or a lower level and we dry out that air, we affect the entirety of the humidity throughout the rest of the house because most of the humidity in a home rises from the lower level. So that's kind of the secret to dehumidification. Now, on larger commercial buildings, they put them on top because that's where they have to go, and they're moving all the airflow through them anyway. In yeah. residential, we're just taking care of it at the source. Now, I'm I'm, I'm looking at online at, at them, um, and they're just like rectangular boxes. And like, how, how do they get installed? Do they get installed? Are they just are they stand alone, or do they get installed into a system of some some sort? You can do it both ways. Uh, most of them get installed just as a standalone. There, there's not a whole huge benefit. There is some, but not a huge benefit to ducting the dehumidifier unless you're not able to get it, which in some homes, as an example, where the HVAC equipment is, is sealed off from where the airflow is, the airflow mixture is for the rest of the home. In that, in that re- representation, you could duct them. Or and this is also popular, you duct them freestanding, completely aside from the HVAC equipment just by putting a, a cutting in a return and a supply uh, with either an 8-inch or a 10-inch collar, depending upon the dehumidifier that you have, into a space. But they're pretty easy. You can do them ducted, non-ducted. Heck, tie it back to ventilation. You can even, our dehumidifiers specifically, even can do ventilation. So you can have that added benefit of when you're bringing in the ventilated air, you're dehumidifying it at the same time. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's a that's a good idea too. Because I, I see one a picture here of one sitting in a crawl space, and there's some some flex coming down into one side, and then the other side is open. So um, that flex coming down would that be maybe coming from outside? Just I know you might you might not know what picture it is, but I'm just trying to understand the install that they've done here with this uh, the crawl space. Yeah, so I I know the picture that you're talking about there. It depends on uh, where you are. Everybody's crawl space has a different code. And in that particular application, what we were doing is we were dehumidifying the air in the crawl space, 
right? Yeah. So the air was being pulled from the crawl space, and then it was being recirculated. That flex duct went out to, I can't remember in that in particular picture if it was being ducted directly into the return of the HVAC system or if it was its own separate grill that was dumping the dry air into the home. Gotcha. But that, that was the idea there was that there was uh, – we were balancing the air through the crawl space by drawing it out from the crawl space and then mixing it with the rest of the air inside of the, the these, uh, these are very cool. These are very cool. I didn't know that you guys had made these or they even existed. And what, one other cool thing I'm seeing here is um, no, no, like no water tray to empty. How, how does that work? So we have a positive pressure system on those dehumidifiers and the actual drain tray is inside the unit itself. So water comes off the condensing coil, collects in the tray, positive pressure will push it through the drain line, and then you just tie it into whatever external drain you want, be that code requirements maybe, or uh, you can throw it into a condensate pump is very popular, and then pump it either to the HVAC drain line, to a uh, main drain line for a home, or uh, some people just pump it right outside. That makes a lot of sense. Perfect. The biggest waster of a dehumidifier's ability to do what it does is water in a bucket. Because as soon as that bucket's filled, that gets shut off. And people don't check that bucket any more frequently than they check their air filter. So a dehumidifier yeah. just sits there doing yeah. nothing. No, I, 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 I totally get what you're saying. These these things are these things look like they're uh, the real deal here. So so I, I think I think we've covered pretty much um, what we had to cover. So that that was cool. I learned a ton of stuff, Brandon. That was that was awesome stuff. I'm I'm glad to hear it. It's there's so many things our industry can do to help people and the way that they breathe inside, whether that be their offices, their homes, their warehouses, we can make people much, much more healthy. Uh, and it's kind of there's there's an old line that says those that have the ability to take action have the responsibility. It's our industry's responsibility, especially now, to step up and take action and help people breathe more healthy air inside of their space. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously leaning towards. I've always wanted to upgrade my filter, but I'm, I'm seriously leaning towards checking out one of these dehumidifiers to add to my home in the in the basement just to see what kind of just to see what it does. I've never gone to my stat really in the summertime and looked at the humidity. I can't recall doing that, but in the, in the wintertime, I always do to make sure that the setting on my humidifier is kind of matching what my thermostat upstairs is, is saying, right. Kind oh, of absolutely. Ho ho hopefully they're in line. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I, I think my thermostat is always kind of down around the, the mid to high forties in the summer. I, I, I believe, but these things look like they could be a winner just just to get you down that 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 extra little bit, right? Well, and I'm going to tell you what you would be amazed. Again, think about building envelopes today. My house was one of these. Um, my our house was built after the energy boom. Our house was built mm -hmm. in 2014, and they did a remarkable job in my home sealing off my basement from the rest of my house. So my air conditioning in my main level of my home was doing a really effective job at keeping humidity lower in my house where I was living. But in my basement, I took a humidistat down there and it was 12% different in my basement than it was upstairs. You can tie that into a lot of things, right? We open up windows, we got ventilation, good air circulation, air conditioner can run uh, when it's hot enough to dictate that it does run. But during the shoulder seasons, when the air conditioner didn't run, the humidity got out of control 
I put the dehumidifier in. Uh, the way the system works is they're intelligent. You just set them and forget them. Uh, truth be told, I, I, I check it once a year just to make sure that the filter inside of it is clean. And uh, I let it do its job. And my basement's never gone above 45%, which is where I chose to keep it. Yeah. It's like if anybody's ever worked in a server room, I've worked in a ton of them. And if if there's dehumidifiers on the machine, like uh, Lieberts, they have dehumidifiers. They got reheat coils in them and stuff like that. If you ever work in a server room that is pr <clears throat> properly sealed off in the middle of the summer, they are the most comfortable places to be. So, I mean, and, and I know in the dead of the summer when it's really, really hot, it's really, really humid and the AC does cycle off um, once in a while, you can still feel a little bit of that mugginess. You know what I mean? Oh, just yeah. A, just, just a touch. So, yeah, I, I think a dehumidifier in the in that that dead um the, the the dead of the summer when the humidity levels are high i think actually would really benefit even though you have air conditioning running because i've seen i've seen the difference between just ac and ac with dehumidification right and oh, and the way no those the, the way those rooftops work that i was explaining to you before is that if there's a call for air conditioning the ac runs so if the ac um brings the space down to the set point it needs to be, uh, let's say 70 degrees Fahrenheit, and the humidity is still high, it'll, it'll kick into dehumidification mode. And there's a, there's a valve that basically, instead of the hot gas from the discharge line move, moving through the condenser, it diverts it to a reheat coil in front of the evaporator. Um, so basically that becomes the condenser. So it goes through the evap um, that that humid air, the, the, the moisture condensates, ends up in the drain, and then it goes back through the, the heating coil to be warmed back up so we're not driving the temperature down mm -hmm. in the space anymore, but we're still removing moisture. And you should see the P-traps, man. The P-traps are like, <laughs> they're like Niagara Falls. It's just constant, <laughs> constant pouring and removal of moisture. And, oh, and no you can, doubt. So you, you can seriously feel a comfort level when you walk into a de dehumidification dehumidified space than just one that's air conditioned well and and there's another component to that too which is especially on residential your air conditioner it's designed to cool it's designed to change temperature even the really the best ones made they still just want to change the temperature of the air you can put them in dehumidification mode sure but a dehumidifier's sole purpose in life is to get rid of the water. If the dehumidifier, which ours as an example, you know, they, they run at 110 volts and they draw at the biggest one that we make for residential use only draws 8.3 amps, but we've got one that only draws six amps. If that thing is running and gets rid of all the water, think of how much less runtime an air conditioner has because of how much more quickly it will be able to reach set point. Because it's not having to mitigate the water in the air. The air, the water in the air is already mostly taken care of. Most air conditioners waste 20% of their energy getting rid of water. That's let the mm -hmm. dehumidifier do that. Your yeah. air conditioning system will last longer. Cool, man. Cool and dehumidified. That's right. <laughs> we call that comfortable. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, I've um, I've taken up a ton of your time and a ton of your knowledge, and uh, I got to thank you for hopping on with me. That was great. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
So how did you guys enjoy that one? Packed full of info. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I learned a lot from it. Some of those facts that Brandon threw at us about some some indoor air quality stuff that, I mean, it's pretty gross, right? Um, and humidity levels causing some of that to happen. So here's here's the thing. A lot of us have customers that only have, especially if you're in the northern part of North America, that will have heating units like a furnace or, or, or whatever they use to heat their home. And a lot of customers don't have AC. So those customers that don't have AC because either they can't afford it or they don't think it's needed, uh, dehumidification is a must from what we just learned. So those little units that I looked up during the podcast, uh, the little dehumidifiers that April Air uh, manufactures and sells, th- those are pretty cool units. And those could be probably put in at a fraction of the cost of an AC. I would imagine. I haven't done the homework on it, but I would imagine. So it's it's a good selling feature to take those facts about high humidity levels in the home and what they can do. And to show a customer, hey, um, I know you don't have AC, but here here is this. And even if they do have AC, um, if they can't control the humidity properly, because, I mean, unit cycles off, right? And then it stays off for a while, and those humidity levels rise back up pretty rapidly, especially if, if the fan continues to run on your on your coil, and all that water evaporates quickly, and it blows it back into the house. So it's, it's just some things to think about. So thank you, Brandon. Uh, thank you, April Air, for allowing Brandon to hop on here and, and share his knowledge. That was great stuff. But I'm out, guys. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.